Hello, 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 and happy new year. Thank you for joining me on Dancing in the Discomfort Zone podcast. This is Anne Bonnie, your host, and I am overjoyed to come and share with you some news of the past couple of weeks. Um, if you tuned in in the middle of December, you probably listened to the episode where I was about to leave for Kilimanjaro uh, to try to get to the top of it. <laughs> and uh, I was dancing in the discomfort zone big time because this was a big challenge that I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to do. Um, I have never climbed a mountain before. <laughs> I have never been above 14,000 feet um, without being in an airplane, of course. And I just didn't know what was going to happen. And so this is part of what I do in my life as I talk to my audiences and on my podcast and in my email blasts about dancing in the discomfort zone. I feel like kind of a fraud if I don't go dance every once in a while myself. So I seek out these experiences that are going to cause discomfort because research has shown that if we're seeking out these experiences that cause us discomfort and we figure out ways to overcome it, we live through it, um, we actually get better at dealing with discomfort in the future, specifically that discomfort that we aren't able to control. So my hope is that by going to Africa to go to Tanzania to climb Kilimanjaro and to put myself through that discomfort uh, and all the discomfort of training and all the discomfort of two days of travel and, you know, not being able to drink the water out of the faucet and all that stuff, um, that when there's another, well, I'm not even going to say it, if there happens to be a global pandemic <laughs> or I get laid off from a job or something happens outside of my control, that I will have more faculties to be able to deal with it. So I walked into this trip to Kilimanjaro um, as an opportunity to dance in the discomfort zone myself, to build those discomfort zone muscles, to push myself a little bit beyond where I had ever been before, and to say, hey, let's see if I can do this. And whether I succeed or not, I will definitely be strengthening those discomfort dancing muscles. The good news is we made it. We made it to the top of Kilimanjaro. I am very, very proud to say we made it to 19,341 feet. Um, I did stand up on top of a rock while I was at the summit. So I'm pretty sure it's 19,342 feet, but you know, Who's counting at that point? Um, it was hard. I had set my sights on the top. And this is this is so interesting um, because I thought the challenge was going to come in the climb, in the way up, because we had we climbed for three days to get to Kibo Hut, which is the hut that you sleep in the night before you go to summit. And I th and so you've been you've been hiking six to eight miles a day uphill. Um, to get to Kibo Hut, you know, for those three days. And then you start out at midnight on summit morning, essentially, so that you summit at sunrise, which is absolutely gorgeous. And then you get to see that. And then you come down, you got plenty of daytime to get back down to a reasonable altitude where your lungs are like, thank you. I needed some oxygen. So my I thought my challenge was going to be between midnight and 7 a.m. when we were doing the climb to the peak. Um, it did take us a little bit longer than we thought, but you know what? You get the same 
achievement certificate if you climb slowly as if you climb fast. And frankly, I was in no hurry at all. <laughs> Just like my marathon race theory is I paid good money for this. Why should I rush through it? Um, but also there are some altitude considerations for going slowly. And of course, not using too much oxygen because there isn't a whole lot available up there. You also want to preserve your muscles and all that stuff. So we went nice and slow. But the challenge for me wasn't on the way up. The challenge for me was on the way down. So here's the scoop. I set my sights on the top and I, you know, I, I was focused. I really, you know, one of the main things that I did was I just focused on being in the moment right now. I don't have to worry about the six hours of climbing I have to do in the dark and I'm tired and the altitude and blah, blah, blah. All I have to worry about is the next 10 steps. And so I, I'm not going to say it was easy to get to the top, but I felt pretty good. I kept drinking. I kept eating. I was going nice and slow, and I was just focusing on the next bunch of steps and not the giant climb that we had in front of us. So we got to the top. We celebrated, and I hadn't even considered what came after that. Like, all of my planning ended when we got to the summit, (laughs) and I figured, oh, it'll be easy after that. Well, not only did we have to go equal distance back down to Kibo Hut, but we had to go another six or seven miles down to the next hut at 12,000 feet because T- Kibo Hut is at 15,000 feet and they really want to get you down to where you, you can breathe a little bit more easily um, so that your body you know, doesn't start feeling the effects of the altitude. And so now we're at the top and we've got an 11 or 12 mile hike down this hill. And I don't know whether I thought there was some magical fairy that was going to pick me up and put her, put me in her backpack and carry me down or some sparkly gondola was going to appear and I'd just ride down easily or somehow 12 miles wasn't going to be a big deal. <laughs> we got halfway down the hill, a very, very steep climb full of loose dirt, loose rocks, and you're just basically surfing on your shoes. Um all the way down. I got halfway down and we passed this cave that I remembered passing on the way up. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're only halfway to Kibo Hut. And then we've got to go another seven miles. By the time we finally got to Harumbo Hut, it was like eight o'clock at night. We did take a short hour, hour and a half nap at the Kibo Hut because we were all exhausted by the time we got that far. Um, But we still had to go the six or seven miles to the Harumbo Hut, which was down at 12,000 feet. By the time I got there, I was done. I had (laughs) halfway down to Kibo Hut, I had like gone out ahead of our group and I was just doing my own thing because I knew I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to do anything. And idiot me stopped drinking water a lot, stopped eating a lot. Had I, had I, had a plan beyond the summit, I would have remembered the intelligent stuff I was doing on the way up to keep my energy up and my strength up. But I just kind of threw it all out the window and went careening down this hill for the four miles to Kibo Hut. Anyway, it was it was a long, long day. Um, and it was one of those things where I was just done and I didn't have any emotional energy left. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And I kept saying, I just want to be there. And it's, and I tried to 
implement that whole, okay, just, just keep walking. Don't think about it. Don't think about getting there. Just do what you're doing right now. You're here right now. And it would work. And then I'd have to remind myself again and remind myself again. <laughs> Finally, about two miles from our final destination, I reminded myself, hey, why don't you have a snack? Because food always helps you to be able to deal with things. And your body might be a little depleted right now. And uh, that <laughs> that helped a lot. But man, pushing myself that day was a real physical challenge. Um, and it was one of those things where I was like, Anne, you don't have a choice. You're on this hill and no, there's no magical fairy or sparkly gondola going to give you a ride. And nobody's going to, you're not going to get on somebody's back because that's obnoxious. I'm not going to sleep in the middle of a field, <laughs> though I really wanted to. Um, so, it, you know, these the lessons in these things always come where you don't expect them. And I took the descent uh, very lightly. I was so focused on the, the peak that I forgot about the other 11 miles that we were going to have to travel or 12 miles or whatever it was that day. So um, that was an interesting lesson to me of think a little bit past the goal. Um, so you make sure that you've still got some juice left and you're still doing the things you need to, to get yourself to your final destination, which ultimately was on a plane to the beach to rest and relax with my friends. Um, this whole journey would not be complete or the, the, the story of the journey wouldn't be complete without mention of those friends. I went with my friend, speaker friend, Leanne Webster, who's been on this podcast and my real estate friend out of Baltimore, Aaron Kelly. And I tell you, I could not have had two better companions for this trip. We laughed our way through Africa. Uh, they had some challenges with travel getting to Africa. We had an amazing three-day safari. Then we did Kilimanjaro. Then we went to the beach to relax. And it was we just literally laughed our way through Africa. And up to the absolute last day, we were still so glad to be traveling together, having so much fun. And it really reminded me you know, even in those hard moments on Kilimanjaro, the tired moments of traveling, how important it is to have people with you and to not isolate yourself when you're dancing in the discomfort zone. You know, had I not gone out ahead uh, on the descent of Kilimanjaro when I was all up in a up in a twist, if I had stayed back with people, maybe they would have made me laugh. Maybe they would have said, hey, Anne, eat this. And I would have been a little bit more comfortable the rest of the day. Um, but I tell you, for the rest of the trip, we all relied on each other. We supported each other in those weaker moments where we were individually frustrated or upset or tired. We all just understood and supported each other beautifully. So as you're going through the challenges and the trials of 2023, the two big lessons that I'm taking away from my end of the year adventure in 2022 is, first of all, you know, when something looks overwhelming, Shrink the bubble. And I remember saying this, and I might've said this on this podcast before, but shrink the bubble means when I'm looking too far ahead and I'm getting overwhelmed and I'm getting, you know, like freaking out about whether I'm going to be able to do this or not. When I shrink the bubble, I look down and I just look at the next couple steps. You know, there was some graffiti on one of the bunk beds in our, in our bunk at Kibo Hut the night before we summited that we were reading and it said, when you think you can't go any farther, just look down and go 10 more steps. Just 10 more steps. And that's what I kept thinking. Don't worry about the top. Don't worry about any of that. It's like six hours away. Just take 10 more steps. So next time you've got a big task 
that feels overwhelming, if you've got your to-do list one day is overwhelming or getting a promotion or getting a degree or starting a new you know business or whatever it is, doing a project at work, if you feel overwhelmed by the big thing, just look down and say, what are the next 10 steps? Or maybe even what's the next one step? Because it shrinks that, fr- that, that fear to say, okay, I can take 10 steps or I can do this next thing. I'm not going to think about running the whole marathon. I'm just going to go for a 30-minute jog, you know? And that really helps you be able to chug along and make that steady progress rather than freaking out and then putting your head in a hole like some of the ostriches we saw on safari and not making any progress at all. So shrink the bubble, just take 10 steps and remember that you don't have to do it alone. In all of my resilience talks, I talk about the importance of social interaction, of laughing with your friends, of listening to the experts. Gosh, our guides were brilliant and spectacular and we listened to them the whole time because we knew they knew way more than we did. We relied on them, we asked them questions and they were there for us. And we laughed with them, we laughed with each other. So remember that you don't have to do it alone. Um, Let me know what you'd like to hear on the podcast in 2023. I'm always pulling my friends and my acquaintances and random people that I learn about who are dancing in the discomfort zone. But if you have a story, go on my website, yourchangespeaker.com. There's a a spot that you you can contact me and let me know your story if you'd like to be featured because you're dancing in the discomfort zone and you think your story might be inspirational to somebody, or you've got some great messages that you've learned, let me know. Um, Because this podcast is for you. And I want to make sure you feel stronger dancing in your discomfort zones through the time you're spending here with me. So thank you so much for listening. It has been an amazing five years, I think, or 200 and something episodes. uh, So it'd be four years of Dancing in the Discomfort Zone podcast. And I'm not anywhere close to stopping. So thank you so much. My name is Anne Bonnie. I am your discomfort dancer, and I will continue to bring you phenomenal content as long as you're still listening. Thanks so much. And let me know what you'd like to hear.